Welcome to the Bakersfield Whiskey Society podcast. At the Bakersfield Whiskey Society, we know you want to be a whiskey expert. And in order to do that, you need to drink and learn about whiskey. The problem is, whiskey can be intimidating. And that often leaves you feeling confused and frustrated. Well, we're here to help take the mystery out of whiskey. To help you understand what you like and why you like it. So kick back, pour yourself a glass of something, unless you're driving. And get ready to learn what you like and why you like it. This is the Bakersfield Whiskey Society Podcast. Welcome, Bakersfield Whiskey Society fans. I am so excited today. I have two phenomenal guests. We are talking with Single Cask Nation. And for those of you who don't know, this whiskey brand is absolutely amazing. And I am so excited today to be here with the CEO, Joshua Hatton, and also the COO, Jason Johnston Yellen, and we are going to be talking about Single Cast Nation. And by the time we finish today, you're going to know what goes into bottling a single cast of whiskey. You're going to have insights on what some of the flavor profiles, right? What really goes into finding these casks? But more importantly, you're going to feel excited to be part of the Single Cask Nation community. Joshua, Jason, welcome to the podcast. Cheers, Tim. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for having us. That was We're a wonderful introduction. You. Thank you. You're very, very welcome. Now, I'll tell you, you know, whiskey is so much fun for me and for most of our listeners. And, and as you think about whiskey, you know, one of the things I love about Single Cast Nation is, you know, there, there's kind of this theme of community, collaboration, and transparency. And can you talk a little bit about that community, right? Single Cast Nation, right? Nation, there's a community there. And, and share with us how that's played a role in what you're doing. You want to take this one? I know you like talking about the, the building of community. That seems to be your jam. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, it is. When Joshua and I first met, we were both bloggers and we had an opportunity to speak with one another, share samples with one another. And when Joshua came up with the idea for putting together an independent bottling company, first of all, I said, that's a million dollar idea. And that was before I understood much work it takes to put together a million dollar idea. And so we already had a following of each of our blogs. And so people were trusting us to make kind of buying decisions on behalf of them. And people who were spending their money on our recommendations, that meant a lot to us and was hugely important to us. And so when we then came out with the company, with the Independent Bottling Company, we had the same idea of that group of people coming together. And I had a, an example here from my life. My wife is Jewish and came over to Scotland to visit my family for the very first time. And my mom took me to the side and said, Tamara's coming to visit. And I said, yes, she is. And Tamara's Jewish. And I said, yes, she is. And my mom said, what will we talk about? And I thought, that is just the strangest question. We're Scottish. We'll talk about the weather. And so it's, it's like a no-brainer, right? It's really simple, really straightforward. And so when Josh and I were putting together the idea for the nation, it was community-driven. We always wanted people to be able to come together and be able to talk about this stuff that we have in our glasses, which is whiskey, right? The great leveler. If you've got nothing else in common, 
you've got the whiskey in your glass to talk about. And that's, that's what we did. That's what we set out to do. And really, with Joshua at the helm, I, I take no claims to greatness when it comes to the social medias. Joshua has put in the time and the energy into Facebook. And I will let Joshua continue with the story. We started our, our Facebook group, which was, it was really meant to be a place for single cast nation members to talk with one another, to share bottles that they have, tastings that they did, so on and so forth. So we started that, I want to say maybe six years ago or so, something like that. And, you know, six years ago, we maybe had a thousand nation members around the nation and maybe 20% of them were on Facebook. You know, it it just, it wasn't a lot of people, but it, it was a place to go. And, you know, fast forward now, say, let's fast forward to 2016 going on to 2017. And people are starting to take notice of Single Cast Nation. And everybody's being driven to our Facebook page. And it's become this place as more and more people get, get onto, the, onto the Facebook page. And we have about 8,000 nation members now. And I want to say close to 3,000 of them of those nation members are on our, our Facebook group. It has become this oasis within Facebook where everyone's nice to one another, everyone's supporting one another. Really good story. We've been releasing whiskey after whiskey the past month and a half or so. And, you know, we have to limit the, these bottle sales. And, you know, we limit people, you know, no more than two bottles. And, you know, the casks, they sell out five minutes as soon as we put them on on sale, five minutes, six minutes, they're getting sold out. We started seeing nation members post in Facebook saying, you know what, I got the previous two bottlings. I'm going to pass on this one so others can get the bottle if they want it. Or I know I could get two, but I'm just going to get one so that others can get their bottle if I want it. And then I would get Facebook messages, and Jason, I imagine you've gotten a few as well, where people say, I got my two bottles, but I see a lot of people missed out. If you need me to relinquish a bottle, I will. Yep, absolutely. This is the community that Jason and I have worked so hard, almost 10 years, to build. And, you know, Jason does give me credit for building this this Facebook group, and I will surely take that. But Jason has removed himself from Facebook as best he can for probably the past three years. And has recently started living in our Facebook group because it's an oasis. It's this place where socially you can get together. You're not talking politics. You're not talking COVID. You're just talking whiskey and supporting one another. And uh, we're really, really proud of the community we've built. Wow. 100%. What a beautiful story, right? It, 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 there's there's an abundance there instead of this this scarcity, right? There there's the the willingness to share and and as you were building this community, you, were there some intentional things you did to help foster that, or do you think it's just an outgrowth of of whiskey lovers loving whiskey? I feel that I feel it's you know six and two threes, right? It's 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 a bit from column A, a bit from column B. However, we do our very best to try to lead our nation members by example. And 
you know, I mentioned just, just a few minutes ago that nation members would look out for one another. They'd protect them. Oh, you didn't get a bottle that I'm only going to buy one. Hopefully that gives you the opportunity to buy your own. And when I say lead by example, it reminds me of when we first started getting really popular, you know, a lot of our bourbons were, became some of the most sought after bottlings that there are. And we basically, to protect our members, created a rule that if we find people flipping our bourbon bottles, if it's one of our wild turkeys, right? They buy it for $101. If we find that they go to sell it on a secondary page or, or what have you, for five, six, eight hundred, a thousand dollars, they're booted immediately. And we announced that rule, and nation members were so incredibly thankful for that. I can't tell you when a bottle is being flipped, we have 3,000 eyes on all of these pages, and they're all saying, Whoa, that's not cool. I missed out on that bottle. I didn't have a chance to buy that. And this person, bought the bottle and is trying to flip it for five or 10 times the amount that it, that it was, I was going to open and share this with my dad, share it with my mom, you know, my friends, what have you. And, and so we try to lead by example by saying, there are things that are right and things that aren't right. We're looking out for you and we hope that you'll look out for your fellow nation member as well. Yeah, fantastic. So, right, that's touching a little bit on the community piece, but there's also a collaboration piece to Single Cast mm. Nation also. What does that collaboration piece look like? Yeah, absolutely. And so, so for us, when we started, here we were, new independent bottling kid on the block. There was no new or very, very few new independent bottlers coming on the scene. And there were certainly none opening for business in the United States off of a Scottish model. And so just, just very quickly, the, the Scottish model that we follow of independent bottling is we source casks, we bottle casks, and we make sure the distillery name is front and center when allowed. Sometimes there are contracts that don't allow us to use the name, in which case we'll try and give some hints to put people in the vicinity. But we really want to be as transparent as possible. And so we've always contrasted that with the American tradition of independent bottling, where casts are purchased, casts go off into a distant warehouse, and they reappear in bottles with their own labels, their own branding, and their own stories, sometimes about grandpappy's recipe and things like that. So we have always built ourselves in the Scottish tradition. So when we first went, you know, walking around Scotland, uh, meeting producers, we we're trying to convey to them what we were trying to build in the United States. And any distiller who took a meeting with us, we always said to them, look, you're distillery X. How well known are you in the United States? You can have two guys flying around the country, pouring some of your best single casks, talking about your distillery, putting your distillery front and center in any presentation. And so for us, that was the beginning of collaboration. Yes, we're single cast nation, but you're distillery X, and that's important to us. And as we've built over the years, as we've built our reputation, as we've built our membership, we still look to collaborate. We're not looking to just grab your casks, which sounds a bit rude when you put it like that, 
stick it in a bottle, which sounds even ruder. Hey, uh, slap your name on it. Here. Yeah, slap <laughs> your name on it. This is really taking a turn that I didn't expect. And then put it in didn't front of people. Right. So we really want to. So we've, we've got a very, very close relationship with Scott and Becky Harris at Catoctin Creek Distilling Company. They're an hour and 45 minutes up the road from me. But when we started that relationship, I was living in Seattle. It's not a cherished relationship just because we've always been close geographically. It's because they're wonderful people and we look for reasons to work with them. Uh, we're about to release a collaboration with Whistlepig. We're the first independent bottler that Whistlepig has worked with. And so it's in that spirit of collaboration. We've done it with Glenn Farkless, where, you know, George Grant and the Glenn Farkless Distillery are not selling Glenn Farkless named product to independent bottling or independent bottlers. They're selling to us. And then the one that Joshua just mentioned a moment ago, Wild Turkey. We go down to the distillery, we select casks with either Eddie Russell or Bruce Russell, but it's about being there, being present, and then coming out and telling the wild turkey story or the whistle pig story or whatever it happens yeah. to be. We really cherish the relationship and our nation members are starting to cherish those relationships now as well. And just quickly to add on to that, we cherish collaboration so much. It's one of the things that we try to put front and center as much as we can to the point now where when these whistle pig, we're doing two different whistle pig rise, uh, when these come out, they will have on the label, we created a you know a whole graphic for it. It says spirit of collaboration. So we're going to have a line of whiskeys, single cast nation whiskeys, that highlight the collaborative work we do with distillery A, B, or C. Well, and I want to come back to that collaboration piece because I think that that's so important and especially the collaboration in picking some casks and what that process is like. But, you know, the last little bit of your story is that transparency piece. What comes to mind with transparency and, and how has that factored into your success and growth? Well, there's a few things here. One of the things that's always drived Jason and I bonkers, and we will find this on Glen whiskeys bottlings, and we'll find it even on some of the best independently bottled whiskeys out there as well. Is when you see on a label matured in oak casks, right? It doesn't tell you anything. If you look at our label, our label gives you every little bit of information that you could ever, ever want or need. And we specifically ask some of this stuff and sometimes we're given information and sometimes they say, no, sorry, we can't give you that information. But base level, we want people to know exactly what's in their bottle, even to the point when we've done some bottlings where we've had finished whiskeys and we say, hey, the whiskey started off in a bourbon barrel December 2005 and was then moved into this next cask in May of, of 2010. You know, we just, we want to give that transparency that we as consumers wish we had. I mean, in the end, what's most important is that the whiskey is good, but it's those little bits of detail. You just kind of want to know. And that was our baseline. Hmm. Yeah, I always say to, to people, if they're looking to join the nation or already nation members, if we know something about the cask, you will know something about the cask. There's nothing that we know that we're not sharing with you. And that's been key from the very beginning. And, and I think 
hugely successful. I guess the the only other thing that that I wanted to add to sort of getting beyond what's in the bottle is, and, and I think that we we're doing this in a good way. I hope in a good way with our podcast, One Nation Under Whiskey, is that we really want to give people a peek behind the industry curtain. You know, most people when they think about single casks, you know, that quite often they're fed a marketing story or something like this where it's, oh, this cask was laid down 25 years ago and it was lost and we magically found it. And that doesn't exist. There are clear records. You have to have every cask accounted for or the HMRC, which is you know, the UK government or in the US, like that doesn't exist. And so when we're meeting with people, when we're doing seminars and, and talking about whiskey and how we select whiskey and so on and so forth, as fun and romantic as those stories are, that's all they are, fun, romantic stories. We want to give people the real sense of what goes into getting whiskey from the still into the cask and then finally into the bottle. And we, we like to share those stories and, and give people a better understanding of how the whiskey industry works. Yeah, right. The, the real history is so exciting. One of the first events that our Whiskey Society actually ever did was on small batch bourbons. And the big mm. secret and the very surprise of our small batch bourbon was all of them came from the same place and none of them were really small batch, right? Just to reveal, right, the, the, the silliness that goes on in this industry. Yeah, yeah. And, and none of them were bad whiskeys. I mean, they were all good, yeah. drinkable stuff, right? Everyone enjoyed it, but none of them were small batch. None of them were handcrafted, even though that's what the label said on all of them. And, and so, right, that transparency, I think, is so important just to understand because it's the stories, it's the place, it's the sense of terroir that makes this so much fun. Mm. So well, and that's the thing for us in, in bottling single casks. I always say that that cask in that bottle is trying to tell you a story. And as the consumer, the drinker, the person who purchased it and brought it home, it's your job to listen to that story. And it's not about thinking about the nearest whirlpool or you know the, the most distant island or whatever the the story of the day is, but mm. instead cutting through to what the whiskey is trying to tell you. It's much more important. And if, if we're going to attract people who are going to follow a young, independent bottler bottling single casks, that's not a consumer who's chasing the latest marketing story. Mm. That's somebody who's chasing the best whiskey. Yeah, that's right. who we're trying to respond to. Right. They're chasing authenticity and something. hundred percent. Yeah. Nicely said. Yeah. So, you know, the, the history of single cast nation is certainly interesting, right? We can talk about, you know, bloggers turned into, you know, independent bottlers and, and there's plenty of places that everyone can go hear the history of single yep. cast nation. But I want to talk about the current state of single cast nation and really how your, your passion has launched into almost a, a global cult following. And so talk to me a little bit about currently what's going on with single cast nation. Yeah. Let, let me pull recent history from five years ago. So that's almost half of our company lifetime ago. We last night, we hosted uh, their events that we've been calling BYO SCNB, bring your own single cask nation bottle. And people meet up with us on Zoom 
and we take questions and we talk and we see where people are from. And it's, it's a really great way in these current times when we're not doing a lot of traveling to still see the faces of our nation members. And so last night I pulled out an undisclosed, we talk about transparency, it's one of our undisclosed releases. And it was CASC 613-4. And we released this actually, we bottled it in 2015 and we released it the March of 2016. And I was returning from spring break, uh, from uh, spring training with my kids who at that point were just single digit little fellas. And Joshua texted me to say, oh, I'm, I'm releasing 613-4 today. And I said, oh, that's fine. We were very much in the pattern of casks would take a year, 18 months to sell out. You know, here we were only relying on the members of Single Cask Nation to purchase these full casks that we were bottling and selling online. So we'd, we'd even got into the, the pattern of maybe doing some pre-releases just to try and bring in a little bit of money, keep the wheels of commerce turning, if you will. And so we had casks 613-4 on a boat coming to San Francisco where we warehouse. Joshua says, okay, we're releasing it today. And I said, tickety-boo, driving along. By the time I got into the state of Virginia, because we'd been down in Florida, time we got into the state of Virginia, Joshua texts me and says, it's sold out. We sold out cask 613-4 in two hours. And at that point was the fastest we'd ever sold out anything. And it wasn't even close. 613-4 was an undisclosed South Shore Isla Distillery owned by Diageo, who we could not name, but Internally, we referred to it as Schmaga Spulen. Just, just internal language that yeah. we were yeah. using. So we didn't have to say undisclosed 613-4 every time. That's a very unsexy name. And so Schmaga Spulen, with a little bit of a description, it was also matured for all six years in a second fill Pedro Jimenez Sherry Barrique. Again, we talk about the details that we share on our label. How many Sherry Barrique PX matured undisclosed islas are you seeing? So that set a new precedent in the company. March of 2016 was the beginning of us now turning over a new chapter. Membership was increasing rapidly. Casks, we now knew we could sell out a cask in two hours. And then we released a Port Charlotte. 14-year-old that has its own story that if you want us to go into it, we will. It has its own interesting story, how it came to be. But we put out this Port Charlotte, heavily sherried 14-year-old Port Charlotte that we made available for $125 a bottle at a time where I was buying, personally buying, younger bottles of bourbon-matured Port Charlotte for £100, £115, £120. And we had a 14-year-old heavily sherried. First fill, Sherry, Josh? First fill, wow. yep. yep. First fill, heavily, heavily sherried, $125. And we released that. When did we release that? I want to say 18. Yes, yeah. I think, hold on, I have the bottle here. I have it right here beside me as well. I just like to see September Josh September 2017 is when it was bottled. So it would have been early 2018. Right, early 2018. And we sold that out in two hours. 
And again, we thought, oof, right? That has now become the worst case scenario of how long it takes to sell out a single cask of single malt scotch in the company. We've branched into rums. It just took us a weekend to sell out a full sherry hogshead of Angostura rum. Um, We released a blended malt in a sherry butt. We sold half of the butt in 20 minutes, and now it sits on our website. Now it's maybe been a week that it has sat on our website. We're now looking for other versions of spirits to sit a little bit longer. And yeah, the recent history is five minutes for a single malt cask, six minutes for a single malt cask, 10 minutes for a single malt cask. It's, it's absolutely mental. And the problem that we now face, and your listeners may very well be saying, this sounds like a lovely problem, is we're selling out our full casks so quickly, we never have anything for sale on our website. So if a good friend of yours says, oh, check out Single Cast Nation, I just got this really great bottle, and you go to check us out, it looks like we're out of business. It looks like we have nothing because we can't keep it in stock. And so now we're ramping up selections. We're looking at types of casts that we've never really looked at previously. Uh, We're looking at butts. We're looking at pungents. We're looking at pipes, right? We're trying to get greater volume without compromising any part of the quality that we're known for. You may have to rebrand to triple cask nation. (laughs) (laughs) We've done double cask before. We do have a line called double cask nation as well that we sell online. (laughs) Um, But in addition to what we bottle, bottle for and sell online, we do have a full retail range. And these are casks that we bottle specifically for retail shelves around the country. And then late last year, we actually started bottling casks for the rest of the world. So different size bottles, 700 milliliters rather than 750. And we've hired a person by the name of Jess Lomas, who's living in Glasgow. And she's our global sales manager. So she's managing Sweden, Germany, and the UK, and Japan, and and bringing on more and more countries as, as we go. So Thus far, we've talked about Single Cast Nation online and in the community, but there's also this much bigger world that we're also growing and nurturing and spending a good amount of time on just trying to get it to the point where Single Cast Nation online is now. In the space of five years, we've gone from selecting 18 casks, one eight. 18 casks being a banner year for us to, if we don't get up to selecting 200 a year, we're not going to meet the demand as it faces us. And so again, great problem to have, but it is a problem. It is part of the growing pains. Right. So, so selecting 200 casks a year, is that something you're doing or the distilleries calling you up and saying, Hey, we got something. Talk to me a little bit about that, that cask selection process. Are, are you actually doing that? There's something my, my mom told me growing up, and I'll never forget this. And I've used this throughout my life. And, I, and, and this isn't some wisdom my mom had. This is something everybody knows, but my mom told me. Anyway, and she said, it will take you years to build a reputation and seconds to destroy it. What an independent bottler has is a reputation. 
the reason people come to independent bottlers isn't because they're looking to buy whiskey from an independent bottler, at least not initially. They came to an independent bottler because maybe they were chasing a distillery they love. And then all of a sudden, someone turned them on to Gordon McPhail or Cadden Heads or Duncan Taylor or some of these and say, oh, you like that? There's actually these people called independent bottlers and they also bottle whiskey from your favorite distillery. Try this out, right? And then that person says, oh, I liked that bottling from them. I also like McAllen. Did they do a McAllen? Oh, yeah, I'll get their McAllen now and so on. And so the reason that person is falling in love with what that independent bottler is doing is because the independent bottler is bottling stuff that they've tasted, fallen in love with, and wanted to put into a bottle. There's not a single whiskey, rum, or mezcal that we've released that we haven't tasted and fallen in love with first. Now, we have a very specific way in which we taste these casks, but I always think of it in very simple terms. Is this liquid something that I would want to drink any day, every day, all day, and would I want to gift it to my best friend? If that spirit meets that criteria, then it's something that I want that I would want to bottle. But yeah. we have never put anything to a bottle we, we haven't tasted before. And believe me, we've been offered stuff where they say, trust me, it's good, you're gonna want it. Now that's that's just not the way it works. And our brokers as, as, as well as our distillery partners know us very well by now and know that we won't bottle anything that, that we haven't tasted. Yeah. And we have purchased things that wasn't ready for bottling, but we know we're going to mature it for a little longer or maybe we'll re-rack it into a cask that would give it more life. But yeah, it's the fact is we have to nose it, taste it, and love it to bottle it. Just to pivot pivot back quickly, just to cover the legal on something you said there, Joshua, we always say, please drink all day responsibly. Just just for the purposes of legal, we just like to get that out there. Please drink all day responsibly. And responsibly <laughs> absolutely matters. Now, responsibly may be yes. a little different during COVID, but uh, none, nonetheless. <laughs> right. So, so we've yeah. covered a little bit about the, the kind of the current state of single cask nation, how you select cask, what goes into that. What's next for Single Cast Nation? What's the future look like for you? Well, we've got a bunch of projects for the remainder of 2020. Jason, do you want to share what is one of our biggest projects? Yes. So, <laughs> so, so one of the things for us was establishing our name with Scotch. And we did that. And then we moved into some greens or some Irish or some Indian single malts. And we skipped it in single malts. And then came a day where we started releasing casks from Lawrenceburg Distillers, Indiana, who then became Midwest Grain Products. And suddenly, American whiskey fans started finding their way to us. And then we started releasing the single casks of Wild Turkey. And everything, everything went bananas, completely bananas, to the point where we can only sell our wild turkeys via lottery. There's so much crazy demand. Joshua? Don't forget, though, that in 2013, we actually released our first bourbon, which was a, a 15-year-old Heaven Hill single cask for the Whiskey Jubilee, which is a festival we used to run New York, Chicago, and Seattle. It's now mothballed. We're not doing it anymore. But we did do a bourbon 
earlier on in our history. Oh, for sure. But we allowed the Whiskey Jubilee line of festival bottles to kind of speak for themselves. Correct. Single yeah, cast nation point. was still plowing its single cast nation furrow. You know, it, it was, however. Listeners, real quick, I, I just want to take a moment yeah. to, to point something out, right? You know, you've got this incredible demand. You've got people reselling bottles for far more than what you're selling them for. You could raise your prices substantially, uh, right? Mm-hmm. But you haven't. You, mm-hmm. yeah, you're not selling it for, for five, six, seven hundred $700 a bottle. You're just not no. doing that. It talk, right? Why do you think that's so important to keep those price points where everyone can enjoy them? It's transparency and it's community. And we understand that every selection we make is for the members of the nation. It's not for Jason and Joshua. We have to like it. We have to value it. We have to think we could drink this all day responsibly. But it has to resonate with membership. And so it goes both ways. We're, we're just in the middle. On one, hand, on one side, we've got the distiller. The distiller knows what they're selling it to us for. And if they start selling it to us for crazy prices and we have to start selling it to the nation for crazy prices, we're going to walk away because that's not the business we want to be in. But if they sell it to us for reasonable prices and we sell it to the nation for crazy prices, they're not going to keep selling to us, nor should they, because that's not a good business model. So if the producer has sold it to us for a reasonable price and we pass it on to our nation, we want them to be buying it for a reasonable price. And that, that's part of why we've got eyes on the secondary market is because if we sell this, and, and as a nod to the Russells, we sell our Wild Turkey Wild uh, single casks for $101 a bottle. And so we want people who like Wild Turkey single casks at natural cast strength, uh, one of the only places to get Wild Turkey at natural cast strength. The only. And apparently. in its own label, mm-hmm. one of, if not the only, place to get uh, wild Turkey and someone else's label. We need our members to be opening that, drinking it, sharing it. And they do. And that's part of that Facebook group where they're posting here, pop, I opened this today. There's my bottle pick. Here's what I'm enjoying. This is phenomenal. And so it doesn't behoove us. Partly, it's not who we are as people. And it partly is not who we are as business owners. And so it's, it's just not appealing to us and that the nation has resonated with that, which is the perfect, the perfect bridge between how, the, how we're pricing and what we're going to bring out later this year is with this love of bourbon, I also love rye, with this demand for bourbon, we have, have taken ownership of a, a large parcel of Kentucky bourbon distilled in October of 94. Am I, am I uh, mixing up that month? Have I been reading that on other things? I'm sure I was just reading it the other day. You, Distilled yeah. in 1994. Yeah. We cannot reveal the name of the distillery because it's not in the contract. But, but it's a very, very well-known Kentucky distillery who suffered a fire, a very bad fire in the yeah. late... 90s. I don't necessarily want to put the year of their fire, but it's a very well-known fire. And this 
bourbon was distilled before that fire. And so we're going to do a batch release. And some of this batch will come to the United States and will be sold to members of the nation. Some of this batch will make its way around the world. And it will be a shared bottle, aside from the size difference, the quantity, the legal quantity. But it will be the same bottle, same label, same package as they are prone to say in marketing boardrooms and is not something that we like to say. But it will be a very, very good-looking delivery of really exceptional 1994 distilled bourbon that, Tim, for your eyes only, since we're not recording any video here, this, this is the juice. All right. That is what we are putting into bottle. And so this lovely, beautiful, dark mm. mahogany color to it. If we were sitting in person, we would definitely pour some for you as well, Tim. So we're not drinking it in front of you and teasing yeah, you. Yeah, for, for, for everyone listening, right, we, we started off, right, we, we were sharing with you about community. And that's why I wanted to take that brief little detour into pricing because, right, mm-hmm. that is leading by example, right? You know, you're not gouging consumers. You're, you're saying we want to deliver things at a reasonable price. And so, right, I just, I just picked up on that and I wanted to make sure everyone listening saw that and heard that because, right, that's so important because you are, you're, you're leading a nation of whiskey lovers, of single cask, and mm. you're helping support the community. And I just, kudos to you for doing that in a day and age when so many brands really don't care about their customer and they don't care about the consumer. So, I, like I said, I just picked up on that and thought it was really Thank important. You. To point out and, uh, the other thing, I want to want to take another little little detour here, and uh, you know, for those of you who haven't seen these bottles, they're they're beautiful, right? The the labels are, are well designed, cheers, and uh, right, lots of art, lots of detail. But more importantly, there's a little <laughs> label on there, and uh, you have a name for these tasting notes. What do you call these? So this is this is something that I came up with, and and then. The simple idea, and then Jason and I hashed it out and and came up with the the seven no eight terms that that would describe a whiskey, and we lovingly call it a flavometer. And so it's it's a it's an easy way. You pick up a bottle, you look at the back of the label, and you got eight different tasting elements: right, floral, sweet, rich, nutty, spicy, earthy, smoky, or woody, and then. You have from one to ten, you know, little blocks as you, as you're looking at it. And so, if you, you know, you see sweet has seven, you say, okay, that's going to be a big sweet whiskey. If smoky has six blocks in there, okay, that's going to be kind of smoky, you know. So I know, and myself included, a lot of people don't really read, and <laughs> and I am I'm guilty of that. I had a, an older friend I used to work with that would say I suffered from dancing eyeballs. But, you know, this is a way to just grab a bottle and look at it and get in one second a visual understanding of where the flavors are going to lie across those eight different styles of, of tasting. Oh, I was going to say, right, and you're doing these for all the cask you bottle. And the amazing thing is, right, you know, you look in the side and it says, one of 449 bottles. And so your, your tasting notes, the things that you're doing, the flavor profiles, right? There's a lot of care and concern that you're putting in over one single cask. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's the only well, way to do it. Yeah. Well, 
I, I wanted to say something earlier as well. You know, when you talked about fairness in pricing, it gets down to a very simple idea that that we are whiskey lovers bottling whiskey for other whiskey lovers. And so as a whiskey lover, we want fair pricing. We also want to know what is in our bottle, what's going to go into our glass, what are we going to share with friends. And so it's keenly important to us because that's what we would want. And, yeah, we ask uh, ourselves that of, of every price. We, we have our matrix, we crunch all of our numbers. If we've been offered something by a, a broker in Scotland or from a distiller, we run it through our matrix. We get to what would this cost on the shelf or what would this cost on the website? And for every single bottle that we put out or every cask that we release, we've asked ourselves that question. Would we pay X amount of money for this exact bottle? And if the answer is no, it could be delicious. It will not have a single Cast Nation label on it. And that's why we taste the whiskeys before we look at the prices. We want to approve it or not approve it. And if we approve it and the pricing comes back, where it should be, wonderful. If it comes back a little lower, even better. Now we can offer a better price. If it comes back too high, would we pay that? No, it was good, but we're going to have to pass. And we've, we've done that plenty of times. Now, not only are you bloggers, not only do you bottle, but you also run a fantastic podcast. Tell me a little bit about your podcast and what's, what's going on there. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a ton of fun. And it's kind of an interesting idea where... As often happens with Joshua and I, we we were having a meeting of an afternoon and one of us would say to the other, I've got this idea. And the one would respond to that, me too. And it's almost, and and on the day that we came up with the podcast, we both offered it as the same idea to each other. It had just been something we were paying attention to, something we were starting to listen to more podcasts ourselves. We're traveling so much for the company that we've always got our earbuds in our ears. We're always listening to something. And we thought, okay, what could we do with whiskey? We know there are whiskey podcasts, and clearly Mark Gillespie is the OG when it comes to putting out a whiskey news podcast. And we thought, we're, we're not in this to compete with Mark Gillespie. He's the OG. What can we bring to this that's unique to Jason and Joshua? And we thought, why not pull back the curtain and be transparent about some of the inner workings of single cast nation. And so it and gave the us industry writ large. And, and the industry writ large. Yeah. And so it gave us the opportunity to sit down and interview. Again, it's, it's that suggestion of collaboration. We like sitting down face to face with people. We like pouring a dram and sharing it with people, chatting with people. And so one of the things that was a driving force for us is when we go on our travels, whether it's sitting down with Eddie Russell in Kentucky or sitting down with you know, a Scotch producer in Scotland, we want to have an honest-to-goodness industry conversation. Now, could we do that with a microphone in our hands? And that's really what we've gone for. So when we interview somebody in the industry, we interview them as independent bottlers. We don't interview them as impartial journalist attempting people, right? We interview them as Jason and Joshua who run an independent bottling company in the United States. Then after the, the, the interview portion of our episodes, we'll go into the news segment 
and that's when and we don't we don't break down the industry news we break down the single cast nation news that's what we talk about on one nation under whiskey and then we'll take some emails if time allows we're very long-winded as as you're learning today tim we'll take some emails and so we'll answer questions from our listeners that are about single cast nation sometimes whiskey writ large but we don't talk about other brands necessarily we do sometimes bring them up we do we do make recommendations yeah, we can't help I mean, ourselves we're whiskey lovers, right? We exactly. have our favorite brands. We, you know, exactly. We can't talk about ourselves without putting us in the context of an industry that's been around for hundreds of years, right? It's we, yeah. we are tiny compared to everything else. So, well, yeah, it, my, some of your the point I was making poorly is we're not models. right. We're we're not sharing PR releases from brands, right? Exactly. We're, yeah, we're not in the business of that, and so that's one nation under whiskey. And then we just launched, because it's COVID and we're not traveling, an idea that we kind of wanted to flesh out, which is, is a new podcast called Extra Extra. It's all about whiskey. And we just posted our sixth episode of that today, June 10, when we're recording. Uh, the sixth episode went out there. And what we do there is either Josh or I brings a recent news story, whiskey news story to the other. We've even got listeners who are now starting to send in the news stories. And whereas One Nation Under Whiskey, a short episode would be maybe an hour and a half, an hour and three quarters. We did put out a COVID update episode of One Nation Under Whiskey that was two hours and 55 minutes. It was a little reward for anybody who listened all the way to the end. But Extra (laughs) Extra, It's All About Whiskey is a tight 30 to 35 minutes. And it's just Joshua and I having a little bit of honest back and forth about that particular news story. So again, we're not recording the industry news writ large, but just something that we would bring to the other. We would text a story to the other anyway and say, hey, what do you think of this? Now we're just again committing that to wax Mm -hmm. and sharing it with listeners. And it's all just a ton of fun. So much fun. And everyone can find that at One Nation Under Whiskey. And Single Cast Nation is where they can join the nation and be part of the community. Well, Joshua, Jason, I have enjoyed our conversation. And I know I certainly know more about what goes into bottling that single cask of whiskey and certainly have some insight into, into selecting those casks. But more importantly, I am excited to be part of this community, to host you here at Bakersfield Whiskey Society and to bring these wonderful spirits to, to our community here. And so, so that spirit of collaboration runs deep and I, I'm glad to be a part of that with you. Brilliant. Cheers. Yeah, I can't wait to meet the rest of the group and pour and, and talk more about Single Cast Nation and retail, flavors, flavometer. We're going to have a jolly good time together. We could go on for hours. So, so any closing thoughts that you want to leave with our audience? It's an exciting time to be in whiskey, but it's also a nerve-wracking time to be in whiskey. Because as you alluded to earlier, we're starting to see some practices that as whiskey lovers, first and foremost, we are not fans of. Pricing being one of them. And we are always aware of the demand that exists for single malt scotches and for bourbons. And we're also aware of how to be respectful with the pricing of the products Mm -hmm. that we're putting out there. So we don't want to see the industry, you know, we always talk about, is there a bubble that's about to burst? 
We sincerely hope not. We are doing our best to further the industry. We're trying to be good stewards of the industry. And it all comes down to our best practices, even though we get a little nervous seeing some other things out there in the industry. Excellent. Well, hey, Joshua, Jason, thank you again for being fantastic guests and looking forward to seeing you at our tasting. I'm Tim McNeely, and you've been listening to Whiskey Secrets. You've been listening to the Bakersfield Whiskey Society podcast. We take you behind the tastings and beyond the label into the story of the people, the places, and the process that make whiskey what it is. For more beyond the podcast and to hang with the community, learn, and to hang with friends, attend a live tasting. You'll love it. Visit us at BakersfieldWhiskeySociety.com. We can't wait to have you in the family. So till next time, sit back, pour a good one, enjoy, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening. We enjoyed it.